Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me tonight is Zachariah King, and we are going to be talking about the resurrection, a resurrection. So, Zach, what did you think we <laughs> you were going to be talking you about? You can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that we might have both thought we were talking about something slightly different. So I wanted to go over the thing that I think there's more discrepancy on between the two of us. Okay. Yeah. Versus the resurrection that we both are. Yeah. That we're totally in line with. Sure. 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 So that was kind of my thought. Tell me what you were thinking. I kind of wanted to, well, two things. Number okay. one, it's just my favorite thing that there is. Mm-hmm. I did, when um, nothing adjusted the way that I understand how the New Testament works, mm-hmm. more than getting my mind wrapped around not just the idea of Jesus' resurrection, mm-hmm. but then the resurrection that he promises us mm-hmm. as well. It changed the way I see everything. So it's just one of my favorite things. And, and I know, I mean, you and I have talked about a lot of stuff. Sure. But I'm looking forward to this one because... Uh, places where we have differences mm-hmm. of opinion on this is mostly because I don't think I have a very well-developed opinion on some of it, and okay. I know that you do. Sure. And so, yeah, the things that we agree on are going to be real easy okay. because it's mostly just going to come straight out of the scriptures and we just, and we're there. Okay. So would would you agree that if we had disagreements, they would probably center around the second coming. Uh, probably, I would. Get, but like, we haven't talked about this entirely, so I want I want to make sure we're, we just cross all the T's and dot okay. all the I's. But I would guess so. So yes. can I start off with some questions to like give us a baseline? Okay, yeah, and you can ask me any questions you want sure. as well. Well. well you are um, firmly pre-trib. You see what rapture. he just did? I asked him if I could ask him a question, and I, he's already taken over my podcast yeah, and asking to, me questions. I'm ready to ask Go ahead, question. Zach. Go ahead. We'll just do it your way. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Yeah. You know, I figured it was about time. Yeah, jump on in. Um, pre-trib, rapture, pre-mill, um, we are currently in a pre-millennial time period, time period of history um, before a rapture. There will be a rapture that is also before the tribulation, which is before the millennium, right? Pre-trib rapture. Yes. So pre-millennial. Every, everything you said, I would say yes to. The only thing I want to do, because Zach, you and I both know, I don't have a lot of listeners. Okay. <laughs> like, let's just get that out there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Several of the listeners I have are very sweet people that know the Bible pretty well, and they like this because we get into more controversial subject subjects. Other folks like us, um, I have no idea why. Maybe our personality, but they're but they're newer to the yes, Bible yes, and Christianity. Yes. yes. So we can use some terms that. Yes are what I would call Christianese. Yes. One of my favorite terms, okay, which is a play on words with Christianity and Chinese. Uh-huh. 
Because if I got up and started teaching a lesson in Chinese, nobody would know what I'm talking about because I only have one friend that speaks Chinese. Correct. And in the same way, it's very easy for us as pastors and preachers and teachers of the Bible and assistant pastors to a lesser degree. Yeah, about 40%. (laughs) to, To be able to use some terms that some folks are on board with and they're like, yeah, I get it. Right. And other folks are like, what is hermeneutics? Sure. Did it, sure am I sure, pronouncing sure. that right? Yeah. A- yeah eschatological, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so we can, we can get through a couple questions and we can also slow down and define the terms a little bit so yes. that anyone can use this. So we've got plenty of time. Okay. So for those of you who are up to speed, please forgive us if we slow down a little bit. And for you folks who might be new to the end times, um, prophecy, the rapture, the second coming of Christ, and these things. Uh, forgive us if we go too fast or use any terms that are over your head. We're going to do our best to try to help everyone out. Okay, so Zach, starting out. Questions. Do you believe in a rapture? Depends what you mean by rapture. Question number two. Please define rapture. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so, so go ahead and tell me what you mean by rapture, and we'll start there. So, so if I were to a- ask you the question, you would say yes, but, or no, but. Okay, right. so, so give me so the... So this, this will be really cool. Yeah. Um, if <laughs> a rapture is a moment in time where believers are transformed into a resurrection state or a, a non... A physicality that's different than what we have now, mm-hmm. be it going to heaven or be it going to whatever it is that comes next, mm-hmm. then yes, obviously. Okay. Because it's all over the New Testament. Okay. Like Paul says that several times. So we so let's define our terms this, this far. Number one, we're going to say it's a singular event. It's a moment. Uh, the twinkling of an eye. Okay, perfect. Yes, so, um, yes. so these are these are Bible terms that you can look up in First uh, Corinthians fifteen verses fifty one to fifty five, and second, th- oh sorry, First Thessalonians chapter four, starting in verse thirteen, running to the end of the chapter. If anyone that, ju- that that's, is correct, that's just to help everyone. Well, yeah, we shall not all sleep. Mm-hmm. But hold, we on, will- hold on, hold on, hold oh, on, yeah. hold on. Oh, we'll oh, get, we'll oh. get to the Bible, and you, we'll 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 quote <laughs> plenty of it. Okay, yeah, yeah. so we're saying that it is a single event as opposed to many events, not to say that there haven't been many raptures, but we're talking about one specific one that is coming. We're not talking about any of the ones that have happened in the past. Okay. So can I define rapture for all the folks that are like, I'm pretty sure I've never read that word in my Bible. Can yes. I? Okay. So what Zach and I are talking about is probably most accurately found in First Thessalonians chapter 4. And folks that argue like, oh, well, the word rapture isn't in the Bible, it, it's a straw man argument because there are lots of words that aren't in the Bible. It doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't address a subject. So in verse 17 of First Thessalonians chapter 4, and can I, can I read this portion Absolutely. so that we're yep. okay I'm on the same you. page? Yep. So starting in verse 13 of First Thessalonians chapter 4, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So Paul, was, who wrote this book, was talking to the Christians of Thessalonica, 
because they were upset and concerned to some degree because of the saved people who have died and they didn't fully understand what happened next. So then Paul continues, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the resurrection, Mm -hmm. even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, it's important to mention that when Paul says sleep, that is a term he uses for when Christians, born again people, die. Because when we sleep, we wake up again. Yes. Okay, so that's different than the concept of death even though these people did physically die yes yes they were dead yeah paul is trying to make the point that they're gonna wake up again this isn't it's not over it's not like blowing out a candle okay that's why he uses the term sleep he's telling them to think about it a different way in a different way okay yes Verse 15, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So Paul is describing the idea that us being alive and having the Lord come back for us has no is in no way going to prohibit those that are asleep from being with God where we all want to be correct okay they had some type of confusion with this and he's trying to sort it out verse 16 for the lord himself shall descend so now paul's talking about a futuristic event and explaining it in some of the best detail for the lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of god and the dead in christ shall rise first yes then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds Mm -hmm. to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, so that is one of the um, most clear portions of Scripture, talking about an event that's happening in the future. And, And if I can, let's just go over this, okay? Yes. So this is what I have for the facts, So whenever I try to interpret a passage of scripture, what I found useful, and people at home can use this little device, when you're studying the Bible, I say the portion that you're studying, start out by listing the facts, the points that nobody can argue with. Sure, sure. Okay, just right there. Yeah. So facts, uh, fact number one, in verse 13, there was confusion. Okay, fact number two in verse 13, Christians in the church at Thessalonica were sorrowful for the Christians who had died, and in the same way, they would be sorrowful for non-Christians who had died, those that had no hope. And that's what Paul was trying to correct, is like, no, you shouldn't be upset for the people who are saved who died the same way that the lost people die, that we shouldn't be sad in the same way. Okay, in verse 14, he says, God will bring him, God will bring him, capital H, talking about God, God will bring to him all those who have died if they believe that Jesus died and rose again. So he's explaining any any one of us that are alive or dead, if you believed in the resurrection, meaning you believe that Jesus is God, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, yep. uh, death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, yes. then God is going to bring you with him. Once again, reiterating, the people that are dead and are buried, we haven't forgotten about them. Yes. Okay, it still counts yes. for them. Okay. Yes. Um, verse uh, verse 16, Jesus will descend from heaven. You agree? Yes. During that event, there will be a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God. Yes. 
it seems to suggest those things, quote, kick off the event or at least immediately precede the event. Sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the time frames, I think, are always the most difficult thing. Sure. But yeah, but yeah. Okay, so yeah. It, the way it reads is that there's not going to be the shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God, and then many years. Yeah, and then people okay. are like, huh, what was that? Yeah, what was that? And then, yeah, okay, <laughs> right, so right, this right, is yes, like, yes. this is the event. Yes. Okay, so first thing in the event, the dead in Christ rise. Yes. Second thing is that we which are alive and remain are caught up together to be with the Lord. Yes. And then finally, uh, we will ever be with the Lord, meaning that we're never apart, apart. from the Lord from that point on. Again. Okay. Agreed. So yes. we have all those yes. facts. We agree on that. Okay. So for those of you listening at home, in verse 17, the English phrase caught up translates the Greek word harpazo, which means to seize upon with force or to snatch up. Any problem with that? Nope. Okay. To seize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the people that have the issue with the word rapture, okay, well, rapture's not in my Bible. Well, it's because you have the wrong Bible. Get yourself a Latin Vulgate, and the word rapture is in there. So the Latin equivalent of the Greek harpazo is the Latin verb rapio, to take away by force in the Latin Vulgate, which is one of the oldest Bibles in existence. The appropriate tense of rapio appears in verse 17. Raptus is the past participle of rapio, and our English words rapt and rapture stem from that word. So, yes, yes, we don't find the word rapture in our Bible because it's a Latin word, and right, our Bible's right. written in English. It's not written in Latin. Sure. So, yes, that's why we don't find it there. But it's really not a good argument. That's why well, I say it's a straw yeah, man yeah, argument. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, you're, yeah. you know. I, 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 don't, I don't like straw man arguments. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like saying Jesus never said... Um, the poor you'll always have with you. Sure. Because he's spoken Aramaic. Yeah. Well, it's like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, nope. sure. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. 100% with you thus far. Okay. So, you would say, yes, you believe in a rapture. Yes. I mean, if, if rapture is... So, now let me ask you... Up, okay, yeah, so let yeah, me yeah, ask yeah, you this, absolutely. because I had someone... I was at an election party. Okay, where I was mm-hmm. um, uh, for the uh, midterm election. Yeah. Okay, so we got together and we had some food in a restaurant and watched the you know the results come in. And one of my friends was running for office. He did not win, which was a shame. But um, that I you know he was running as a libertarian, so none of us really expected <laughs> it. Okay. Well, if I'm gonna be honest, I mean you know I voted for the guy. I'm, sure, I'm sure, hoping it. But either way, I'm <laughs> I'm already getting off in the weeds. <laughs> friend of mine or i should say uh an acquaintance that i met and i met for the second time but they didn't remember uh meeting me before asked me if i was a messianic jewish okay and i said well that depends Ooh, interesting. Okay. So I said that depends because if I were to have said yes, I was concerned the person would have thought that I believe in this, this, and this. Absolutely. Which I do not. Yes. 
they would have also assumed I believed in this, this, and this, which I do. Right. Okay. So when I ask you the word, do you believe in the rapture? You say, yes, if we mean this, this, and this. My question for you is, what are you concerned about that people will think you mean that is apart from what you believe? Good. So um, a a political rally is a good place to have this this (laughs) argument, right? Because the same thing happens, right? Yeah. If you say, yes, I'm a Republican. Exactly. You have this list. You, of you have a list of yes. all these things that this is what you believe, and it's like, well, no, I believe in half of those, right? And a few of them, I like, eh, I kind of have, yeah. And then a few is like, do not <laughs> consider me that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, so same thing here. So tell me what you're thinking about the, the rapture. There are, there are, I think maybe three things. Okay. Number one is, and we can we can get to the revelation part. I'm sure we will at some point. Number one is, I just don't know where to place this in the timeline. So you're concerned that when you say rapture, people think you mean the event happens here. Yes. Okay. So, okay. Got so it. Zach believes in the rapture. Well, yep. I'm a mid-trib rapture guy. So, okay. He, and there are some, we don't want to get all the way into the weeds, like you said, with definitions and all yeah. these things that only that only we fight about. Mm-hmm. Um but it, the same thing goes. Like, imagine if someone were to say, so, Zach, you a Packers fan? Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah, I like the Packers. Yeah. I, I got a cheese head yeah, on. You, okay. I'm, by, I'm eating cheese curds and standing outside in the snow with no shirt. And- okay, but let me ask you this. If you, if you didn't know where I thought the rapture fell in the timeline, but you asked me, Patrick, do you believe in the rapture? Well, see, I this is one of the reasons why I do it differently. Okay. Like, I wouldn't start with that question. Okay. I would sit down and say, hey, uh-huh. you know, X, Y, Z, you're asking me to do this study on Revelation. Uh-huh. What, like, when you look at the big picture, yeah. well, what do you know to be true, and what are you a little bit more cloudy on? Okay. So I ask these other weird questions, and everybody knows by now that I'm kind of weird and different, and mm-hmm. so that's just the way I do it. But that's that's number one. Is exactly that. Okay, yes. I I believe in a rapture. Okay, well that means that you have this, this, and this and So other uh, than like, the timeline, like, what else are you concerned people will misunderstand about your beliefs? So same thing, but from the other side. So if I was to say, Well, I, I'm I'm really, really cloudy on a pre trib rapture. Okay. Okay. Zach's a bleeding heart liberal um spiritualist Mm -hmm. he probably doesn't even know what the bible is because Uh he's reading that one that he found like because like this translation doesn't really work so he looked Uh for one that didn't have the uncomfortable words in it Mm -hmm. and like he couldn't tell you what color blue is Mm -hmm. so two different concerns but from the from the from two separate angles right and i used some vocabulary there that i thought your uh okay your audience would like so we defined rapture, okay? And and folks, just so you know, if you go back through my podcast, so if, you, if you're not a follower of mine on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please get on there and subscribe and, you know, share it and like it and make a comment or whatever you do on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us out a lot. 
if you scroll back through, you will find two other episodes talking about the rapture, one where it's just me by myself and one before that where I talk about the rapture with Caleb. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's nice. a popular nice. subject. Okay, sure. So, sure. so it'll there's plenty of background to look at as far as what the rapture is, and we go over a lot of the history about you know Enoch being mm-hmm. taken away mm-hmm. and and uh, Elijah being taken away and sure. different things. Sure. Okay, so you believe that the rapture will contain all the saved people who are alive at one time? Yes. Okay. Uh, do you believe the event includes all the saved people who have died beforehand at the same time? That one event. So like Paul, yeah. for instance. Paul, David. First the dead are raised yeah. and then those who are alive go with them. Yeah. Yes. And, and you don't have an issue with uh, folks um, BC or AD. Okay, great. Next one. No, was okay. that answer okay, in case good. you're listening good, on good, audio? Good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to change gears here because one of the next questions we're going to be getting to surrounds these preceding questions. Yes. Do you believe in a seven year period that is coming? I believe there's a bunch of seven year periods that are on the way. Now, 70th week of Daniel. Mm hmm. Uh, I, I do think that there are probably at least two ways to read that particular scripture in the, at the end of Daniel chapter nine. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really tricky. Um, I'm not sure. I'm okay, really so not sure. You've heard what have you heard the seven year period that is coming called? The time of Jacob's trouble. Okay. The great tribulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those are the two, those are the two big ones. And to some degree, some people will use the term the 70th week of Daniel. Yes. Okay. Some people. Yeah. Well, so sure. I use two of those terms. Okay. I do not like tr- uh, great tribulation. Do you uh, like cut it in half? Correct. Yeah. Because the great tribulation is not seven years. The great tribulation is the second half of the seven year period. With that being said, the time of Jacob's trouble is a great phrase because that's what Jesus calls it. And the 70th week of Daniel is also fine because that's what Daniel describes it as. Now, you're not sure that those two are the same seven-year period. Correct. Okay. So, what happens during that time period? Well, so let's say let's let's use your view is let's yeah. use the time of Jacob's trouble. What so, are what are the main events that are going to take place during that time period? We'll have to look this one up. Okay, and I mean I'm not it's not a quiz like you know I don't have it written out here. I mean I know it because I'm a you know you you start while I'm, I'm a, finding that's I'm a good and competent pastor. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> but we expect assistant pastors to have to look up most of yeah, I, I, the answers. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, that's the difference between wearing why, the big boy why, pants yeah, and wearing sandals. Yeah, why don't you sandals. go ahead and get started? Okay. Well, so, the seven-year period that is coming, uh, Jesus described as the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, the purpose of this seven-year period is to bring the wrath of God upon the Jews. And the purpose of it is to get them to recognize that he is their Messiah. Now, understand that my belief 
and what I believe the Bible teaches clearly, but there's plenty of folks that disagree with me. I believe that the Bible teaches clearly that the rapture is going to take place prior to the 70th week of Daniel or the time of Jacob's trouble, a seven-year period. When the rapture takes place, all those folks who are born-again Christians who have died are going to be caught up into the air with Christ, and then all of us who are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the air with Christ as well. That includes all of the Jews who are born again, of which there are many. Sure, sure. Like Paul was a Jew, and he it. definitely, most of the people that he was talking about in that first A lot of people lot in, of Jews. in the whole book of Acts, you know, sure, in sure. the church in, in Antioch, in the church in Jerusalem, you know, even in the church in Rome. There were lots of Jews all over the world who sure. got saved. Still today, that's the case. So everyone who's born again, no matter who you are, Jew or Gentile, you're up in the air. Then what's going to happen is there's going to be a seven-year period And during the seven-year period, the Antichrist is going to rise to power. And in the middle of the seven-year period, which the Bible talks about as three and a half years, and it also refers to it in the number of months and the number of days, so it's very specific that it takes the seven-year period and splits it into halves. In the middle of that seven-year period, there is going to be a temple in Jerusalem where they are sacrificing again. The Jews are sacrificing again. And we know that because the Antichrist causes the sacrifices to stop. So if he's going to have them stop, that means they had to have started. Which is why everybody's all got themselves excited tied in about, a knot about sure, yeah, Jerusalem the and, yeah, and, and sure. the dome on the rock and where the temple location needs to be. Because understand, folks, the Jews just can't, you know, go to wherever, Paran and, you know, yeah, make another temple. They no. can't just go to. They can't go to. I'm I'm drawing a blank of every single city in, every, in, in Israel they, right now while I'm trying well, to tell I mean, us. Even like Bethlehem, they can't like, go to well, Bethlehem. Why not? Six months. Yeah, what is it? Uh, you yeah, know, six, sixty minutes months. southeast. Of, yeah, nope, can't go there. It has to be in a certain spot. Okay, in Jerusalem, on a mountain, in in in, in a very specific location. So. Uh, there has to be an altar. There has to be a priesthood. There has to be cert- There has to be a whole bunch of stuff. And right now, there's a whole bunch of Arab Muslims that seem to be locating that location that really are not excited yeah, about. Yeah, they're not interested moving. In moving. Yeah, sure. for the Jews to be able to do anything. So that's why we think that the end times are going to be pretty exciting. So <laughs> at after the halfway point, God starts pouring out His wrath. And the wrath of God, you have to understand, this is not persecution against Christians or Jews by the world. It's not persecution against Christians and Jews by the Antichrist or by, you know, uh, Hitler or Mussolini or Stalin or anyone. This is supernatural wrath of God poured out from God on the Jews to remind them that he is the Lord and they need to come back to him. Zach, we just finished up Habakkuk in church on Friday okay, night. Yeah, okay, so we're yeah. through it. I'm going to put the five episodes up on um, the uh, the podcast here when we're done. Uh, oh, boy. And we got a, another YouTube follower. And in typical fashion, 
he gets out, oh, about 20 comments and questions in a five-minute period, and we're just going to encourage him, like all of our other YouTube followers, to please get back on your medication. So, <clears throat> so we finished up Habakkuk, and one of the things that I reminded everyone of was that when the Babylonians were surrounding Jerusalem, and it was bad. This is when Jeremiah was like, look, they are the hand of God. They are the wrath of God. Just open the gates and let them in. Stop trying to fight it. People thought he was insane. Yes. People thought he was a traitor. They wanted him dead. And Zach, do you know how bad it got in Jerusalem? Do you know the event that took place that was a horror show that we read about in Lamentations? Um, <clears throat> I do. What 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 event do you think so, I'm talking about? Because there might be many answers to this question. Sure, sure. The one that always sticks in my mind is the is the line that states that um, the parents were eating their own. That's right. Children. The parents were eating their own children. Lamentations chapter two, I think, in verse twenty, you find it written several places. It was horrible, so horrible that people could not understand how bad it is oh i see okay this fellow is a preterist um so he believes that all of the prophecies have already been fulfilled mm -hmm. and that the seven-year period happened uh, um in 70 a.d with the romans and so that I, was the i think 70 a.d is really really important mm -hmm. and doesn't get um doesn't get the study that it deserves mm -hmm. but i think it also is part of what clouds some oh of, yeah, of some of the clarity. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, was that not a judgment against the Jewish people? Oh did, yeah. Did, it, I mean, didn't Jesus say it? Certainly was. Yeah, if you would have known the time of my appearing, sure, I, like, I would gather you under my wing. But since you didn't, yeah. The problem is the, uh, it skips over everything else in Scripture. Where was the mark of the beast? Okay, tell me who, who was sure, the Antichrist yeah, at that I time? Mean, you could do a bunch of stuff with Nero and things. Yeah. I, 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 I think it's really important. Uh huh. I think I think AD seventy was really really important. Big event. Uh, Big event. But if you want me to believe that that happened, you also have to explain to me where does the millennial reign fit in. Well, sure. Because so, Satan yeah. was bound for a thousand years. You tell me that's going on. I, right I am now, not a or... full preterist. Yeah. No. Okay. But I do think that AD seventy was very important. I think Jesus talked about it a lot. No, absolutely, yeah. he definitely yeah. did. But you also have to remember that. Do you, do you know that people believe that? Um, when Antiochus Epiphanes uh, desecrated the temple, that uh, people uh. think that that was, you know, the event. And it's like, guys, do the math yeah, from that, Daniel. Jesus, Jesus never even showed up. How, sure, the sure, 69 sure. weeks didn't even happen yet. How did the 70th week happen? The, the, <laughs> and we're talking, yeah. folks, we're talking about a mathematical problem that most people have never even looked into. So just right, ignore us. Right. This is total nerd stuff. This is Zach and I, at Comic-Con, okay, in our own little <laughs> yeah. corner, uh, this table where the nerds in the outfits won't even come near us because, you know, we're upset about something. And Okay. so Absolutely. So anyway, I was talking about the rapture precedes the 70th week. <clears throat> Wrath of God is poured out. And at the end of the time of Jacob's trouble, which is the 70th week of Daniel, and, and also, okay, um, well... You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I'm going to try to stay on track, at least to some degree. 
at the end of that 70th week, we see the fulfillment of the prophecy in Hosea when all the Jews turn and recognize Jesus as their Savior. Okay, that's the end of the 70th week of Daniel or the time of Jacob's that, trouble. That's in Hosea? Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's a little bit about what the, happens during the, that time period. The phrase is in Jeremiah chapter 30. Mm-hmm. So already you can start to see, like, there's a piece of it here and a piece mm-hmm. of it there and a piece of it here. And, and we're doing the work of trying to fit it all together. Yeah. And um, it's difficult. I don't think it's that difficult. I know you I don't. Think I know you don't. I think it's so clear <laughs> it blows me away when people, you know, have trouble believing this. Because what typically what happened, like, you know, for our friend, the, the preterist here that believes, you know, all that prophecy has already been fulfilled. There are a hundred questions that need to be answered, which there are no answers to. But what I find is usually people get sucked up in, oh, that's a neat idea. And they like the guy who explained it, but I don't see him really going to the Bible and getting the answers, reading through Matthew chapter 24 and 25 and going through the book of Luke and going through what Jesus said is going to come. And it's like, well, where did that happen? It didn't happen. Okay. Explain to me, you know, where, where that took place, you know, and furthermore explain to me, um, uh, all the preceding events, why didn't they take place? I, I think there's a lot of guys who, who write really good books. Yeah. And then you you sit down and you read it and you yeah. go, man. Wow. Guy, I never thought of it like that. The first commentary on Revelation that I ever read mm-hmm. was a German um, theologian. Mm-hmm. And he wrote in 1943. Yeah. And I know what he wrote. He laughed at the idea that Israel was going to be back in the land again. Of course, because they had just been decimated. But but that's part of like, by Hitler. When you read the verse by verse, yeah, like through all twenty two chapters, yeah. and you go, this guy's got evidence for every single thing. But there was one piece uh, missing. One big problem. One big problem. Well, and everyone prior to nineteen forty eight wrote off the Jews having the land as allegorical okay so folks 1900 years of of evidence so let me let me back up a little okay for those of you that don't know what we're talking about and that's fine the rapture and the 70th week of daniel could not happen until the jews were brought back into their land the bible says that they will be brought back into their land after they were dispersed around the whole world that happened in 70 a.d it did not happen before that Sure. They were taken captive and removed out of Jerusalem, okay, right. and they went down to Egypt and they were slaves, and then it happened again with the Babylonians yep. and they were captive and taken mm-hmm. back to Babel, uh, Babylon. And the Syrians took the northern... Syrians right. took the northern um, But they uh, hadn't half. spread all nope, over. all over the world. Okay, so when the Assyrians took away the Jews from the northern half of Israel, the remaining Jews... We're still in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. still performing sacrifices, albeit to pagan gods. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't to the Lord Jesus <laughs> but, in the but temple, but they were there. Okay, there was a priesthood that was going on. All of these things were as normal. And then we read about King Josiah in Second mm-hmm. Kings chapters 21, 22, and 23, some of the best chapters and the best story in the entire Bible about him coming back to the Lord, reinstituting the Passover, having the feast. You mean God you're was supposed on to like know where the scriptures yeah, are? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Okay, so, <clears throat> so 
after they were taken away to Babylon and then they were brought back, then you get all the way up to the time of Christ and there's still a temple. And the Jews are still doing all of their normal stuff. They're doing the Passover. They're doing Pentecost. They are doing uh, Yom Kippur and uh, Rosh Hashanah. They're doing everything uh, with the temple. So then, which we read about in Isaiah, um, we read about, I think in Ezekiel as well, the Jews are going to be dispersed throughout the whole world. And then it says that they are going to be gathered back from every corner of the earth, and they are going to, again, make Hebrew the national language of their country. Which at that point, by the time they were dispersed in 70 AD, because the Romans came in, they laid siege to Jerusalem, they destroyed the temple, the Jews fled uh, throughout the world to survive. By that time, or I I should say after that time, Hebrew had degraded into a form, a perverted form we called Yiddish. And it wasn't until the Jews got back into the land that they reestablished a language that we would call a, quote, dead language, which has never happened in the history of the world where a dead language was revived and used by a country. It might be a little bit special. Yeah. So the Jews were living all over the world. They were in Russia. They were in America. They were in South America. They were all over Asia. They were all over the world. And everybody up until 1948 thought that the idea that the Jews were going to come back in the land was laughable. Not only were they oppressed everywhere they went, but they had just come through a period where one-third of every Jew on earth was killed in gas chambers in Germany. Yes. They were rounded up. And, And think of this, folks. Throughout history, when a military is losing... They call back every one of their soldiers back to the headquarters and they defend the capital. That has been the way war has been fought. That is what you are taught to do in any war college in any country you go to. If you go to West Point, okay, you sound the alarm, you blow the trumpet, you retreat, you come back to headquarters and we defend that at all costs. What did the Germans do? When they were losing, when they knew they were going to lose, Hitler said, you are to use every available measure to fulfill the final solution. You are not to come back to Germany and come back to Berlin and defend the fatherland and the capital. You are to spend every round. (laughs) You are to use every man, woman, and child to fulfill the final solution, which is to kill every Jew on earth. That was, that was that a dictate from the devil. That wasn't Hitler's best idea. That was insanity. That was the devil trying to destroy the Jews. And at that point, nobody thought that the Jews were going to come back and form a country and start speaking Hebrew again and defend themselves against Lebanon and Syria and Jordan and Iran and yep. you know Iraq Egypt and, and Egypt Saudi Arabia and, and every one of their enemies all over surrounding them. But here's the problem. 
throughout history, people have said, oh, this guy was the Antichrist. Antiochus Epiphanes, he desecrated the temple. There it is. Bada bing, we've got it. You know, this guy with the Romans, 70 AD. Oh, there it is. That was it. You know, uh, clear, Nero. As, clear as day. You know, Nero was the guy. There's you know, seven years Yeah, there. first of yeah. all, Nero never even stepped in the temple. Okay, Nero never went to Jerusalem. And Who was the other guy that was in there? There there were a couple, and there were a couple that tried and failed. Antiochus Epiphanes right was, he was there, yeah. the earliest one, but he was, not, he was pre-Roman. Yeah. Okay, so you go through all of these times, but the Bible says that the Jews had to come back and inhabit their homeland. So until that happened, Mm -hmm. we cannot have the end times. We cannot have an antichrist. We cannot have a rapture. We cannot have a millennial reign. None of those things can happen. There was a prerequisite, and that was Israel coming back to the land. And for almost 2,000 years, it was so absurd of an idea that that would happen, that that is where all of these writing off what the Bible said, making it allegorical, forget the plain text, just fill in the blanks with whatever you want. That's where the ideas came from because Israel was spread throughout the world and every country they were in, they were oppressed. Yes. And so then all of those things, like the fill in the blanks, well, it can't really mean that. It must can't mean, mean this. Yeah, that's, got that's what I want to stay away from also. Yes. I, I am. I'm, so like imagine, so we, we're in Western Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is the way I like to put it for people. Imagine if in the year, uh, let's see, this is, maybe you go back to like the 18, let's just use 1800 as a nice round number. Mm-hmm. So let's say that the Navajo were going to repopulate the land that they had at the height of their power. Mm-hmm. And they were going to start to speak their own language again. In order for that scenario to equal what happened with Israel, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to go back there till after the year 3000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like well over a thousand, like over 1500 more years from now. Yeah. So for all of us who were born after that already happened, mm-hmm. we can't even identify the frame of mind. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. When Martin Luther is sitting down figuring out the Bible and he's like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I think we've got all this wrong. Mm-hmm. What did he think yeah. about what? And he goes, Jewish people, the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you think? Yeah. All you can do is take it in faith and say, look, I don't know what's going to happen, but whatever God says is going to be true. Mm -hmm. And so it's, and so that's, I can't tell you how it's going to work out, but it will. And it'll work out exactly the way that he says it. So I'm with you there. Um, Okay. I want to make sure we, I know you're working on something there. I want to make sure we stay on your train of thought though, before I, before I, well, get just, into any of the rest of it. Just to answer one of your questions, you said Martin Luther, what was he thinking on the Jews, right? And I can tell you because he wrote a book. He did. Yeah, and like the name at, the, of, at the end when he started going, <laughs> he, he lost it a little bit. And the name of that book was On the Jews and Their Lies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. And you know who quoted from that book and, gave, and put Martin Luther 
as an inspiration for his later book? Well, let's see. Martin Luther was German. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it was a German guy uh, I, I suppose who you, you praised say. Martin Luther in the foreword <laughs> to his book and quoted him in his book, Mein Kampf. Yes, of course. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why I think there's... So, my, one of my favorite guys is Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Sure. He said that 90% of the church... Mm-hmm began to bow to Hitler. Oh yeah. During those times. Yeah, they gave up a 90% while ago. Of the yeah. Church. I mean, taking crosses yeah. off the wall and oh, yeah. putting up pictures of Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It I was, mean, like really basic yeah. kind of giving up it was sort over. of stuff. I mean, the the churches in Germany at that time had cashed in in a while ago. But before Martin Luther lost his mind and mm-hmm. was, when he was reading, he obviously knew his scripture some. Sure. He, he was studying them. Yeah, yeah. When he's in his 20s and he's mm-hmm. being changed by the spirit from mm-hmm. inside out, mm-hmm. and he goes, this looks to me like Israel is supposed to be back in the, what could that mean? Yeah, I, back I, in four, the 1500s. 400 how do years I, before it happened. How do I, you know, how do we wrestle with that? Yep. And so. And really, I don't know if he would have had a harder time or we would have had a time in 1945 right after we turn the corner on World War II and that's over and we're starting to see the pictures come out, you know, and the film yes, footage of yes. the camps. But the fact is, it makes sense that people had trouble swallowing it. I get that. I mean, let's face it. The whole book is hard to swallow, okay, for a lot of folks. But we can't deny that it says that the sacrifices will cease, well, everyone can look around and be like, uh, they ain't sacrificing in Jerusalem, buddy. Oh, yeah, sure. So sure. what are you talking about? Okay, that's not happening. As a matter of fact, that is ancient Israel stuff. That's nothing that we've seen in, you know, in one and a half centuries. <laughs> yes. Like, what yes. It, it, what sure sure absolutely okay so let let's try to rein it back in okay yeah did you have any issues about the seven-year period that's coming the wrath of god the antichrist standing up in the temple in the middle of it any of that stuff i mean it it um the only thing i would have trouble with is simply that all of those things are taken from multiple places in the scriptures mm-hmm and I know what part of it is, mm-hmm. and, and this is one of the things that make you and I different. Mm-hmm. I am, um, I'm supremely confident mm-hmm. in God. Mm-hmm. I am more confident in Him being true and right and doing whatever He wants sure. than I am of anything else. Mm-hmm. I'm not particularly confident in my ability to understand mm-hmm. what it is that He's going to do. So as soon as I start pulling things from a lot of places, mm-hmm. I mean, I do it all the time. I mean, I, I preach. I did it today. Sure. But I work really hard at making sure that I understand it the best possible way that I can. Uh-huh. And so, I mean, it says it. I can't deny that it's not true. I'm just not sure when. Okay. So here's where. the here's the thing that you got to come down to. Are we to say that these are all different time periods and events? Don't know, right? Probably not. Okay. But so, but there's like, it, it, and we, I don't know if, I don't know what your next one is, mm-hmm. but we might, I, I can give you one of my big ones. Okay. 
and, and this is we'll we'll go to Revelation twenty. Okay. Go on. Gonna, yeah, this is this is going right to the stuff. Um So, Revelation 20, mm-hmm. if you start in verse, oh, well, I better just start in verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Mm-hmm. Also, I saw the souls of those who have been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of the Lord. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image mm-hmm. and had not received its mark on their forehead or on their hands, they came to life mm-hmm. and reigned with Jesus for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So I, I think very clearly that says that after whatever else has happened throughout the book mm-hmm. of Revelation is when the first resurrection happens. Mm-hmm. And so if it's after all of the other things that have happened, and it's in conjunction with the believers being taken also, then I have to build a structure that puts the rapture somewhere else. Right? I mean, you, you see where I'm... No, because you're assuming that the rapture is what he calls there the first resurrection. Because the dead in Christ raise first, mm-hmm. and then those who are here and alive are taken with them. Mm-hmm. So if the... Yeah, I, there, the one assumption would be that when he says this is the first resurrection, mm-hmm. that that is the first time that people are raised. Sure, but we already know it's not. But but that but see the the confusion that I have then in my own mind is if I'm gonna read the text and I'm gonna let it just be what it is, mm-hmm. and it says first resurrection, mm-hmm. then I have to say, well, yeah, but except for the other one. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that. Yeah, but y- what you're saying is that first resurrection doesn't mean there couldn't be one preceding it. It means there has to be another one after it. See, you you can be talking about first and second resurrection. That doesn't mean there can't be one before it, because people have been raised from the dead dozens of times. Well, sure, in the Bible. But, sure, but it, but but this is the general. I mean, this is the this is the like when when Mary and Martha are talking to Jesus, and mm-hmm. Lazarus has died, and and he says, "Do you believe I can bring him back from the dead? Mm-hmm. If you were here three days ago, we wouldn't be in this trouble. Four days ago, five days ago, and uh, and he says, "Do you believe I can raise him from the dead?" And she says, "Yes, of course I do." Mm-hmm. At the resurrection. Yeah. He'll be raised. Wait, so this is... It's before the millennium, mm-hmm. but it's after the tribulation. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I see what you're saying, but I just... My mind goes, if this is the first one, then that doesn't mean there was one before it. Mm-hmm. Or, or, I mean, it could just be a name. Like you could say, this is First Baptist Church, but there were three others that were here first. Okay, or so the the issue that I run into here 
is the taking of one verse that is an outlier and putting it ahead which yes of a mountain that all explain the same thing it's all good hermeneutics to say so the there's one of those in first peter Mm -hmm. that seems to indicate that you have to be baptized to be saved there's one in mark too if you just read it and you go oh whoa 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 wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute sure this seems to go completely against everything else i've read right Okay, right. so do you hang your hat on that verse and say, no, well, no, you do this not. is clearly the one that sure. we need to stand on and all those others right. I misunderstood. Absolutely. But what I do wonder is I go, okay, I haven't figured out how to use this to then say, because all of the other places say that when we're caught up, it mm-hmm. will be after the dead are raised. Mm-hmm. So if this says that it's the first time the dead are raised, yeah. then I have to figure, I, I, and, and that's what I'm saying as far as my confusion. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've got that part figured out yet. Mm-hmm. How, to, how to bring those two ideas together. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, I, I don't study this as much as other people do. Yeah. Um, but like our, our preterist friend online, I, I don't know if, if. Okay, but. Look, this is specifically talking about those that were beheaded because during the seven years, they did not right. take the mark or worship the beast or his image and receive the mark upon their foreheads. Yes. Okay, so but, those are a different... The rest, gr- right, but the, in verse 5, the rest of the dead mm-hmm. did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. Yeah. So then... Who are those dead? Those are those are dead that are not saved. So then you have three different times when people are raised. Well, you got to remember that you have multiple times. You have the resurrection of the living and the resurrection of the dead. Those are two different things described in the Gospel of John. Would you say that those both happen together, as in First Thessalonians? No, definitely not. So there's a resurrection of the living. Yes. Which is, explain that one for the people. Sure. So the resurrection of the living has to do with people who are born again, people who are saved. And then there's the resurrection of the dead, which is the just and the unjust. Paul talks about that in Acts. It talks about how hell is going to be emptied out and Mm -hmm. they are going to stand before God and then they are going to be judged at the great white throne of judgment and then they're going to be cast into hell or sorry the lake of fire forever and that and that is all later on in this chapter Mm -hmm. that's yeah later on in in chapter 20 Mm -hmm. um so that is at the end of the thousand years that's when the great white throne of judgment happens and that's when hell is emptied out so you would go rapture Mm -hmm. and resurrection of the living then first resurrection of the Jewish believers who were beheaded during the tribulation. I would not say just Jewish. Because they could be Gentile converts as well. But to be honest with you, the only thing that I know for sure is that salvation and justification and glorification happen differently in the seven years than they do prior to. How so? It says that the way that they were saved was that beheaded for their testimony. You got it. They were the ones that endured to the end. And part of the reason, 
and this is another point we can debate, is that the Holy Spirit is removed during the seven years of tribulation, or I should say during because the, the 70th week of Daniel. Because of the restraining. Yep. Which is the whole, yeah. So, a whole so the idea is this: the rapture starts another dispensation. Yes, yes, sure. Where like, everything is different. Sure. Well, and, and I'd like to just encourage you mm-hmm. that the, the view that you hold is by far and away the dominant view. I sure don't think so. <laughs> but there's, a, there's a few people online maybe who are really, really verbal about, but no, I, th- I think in, a, in an average American church, particularly, it, Sub-Saharan Africa. How about this? Is, How about this? I think that, the, that your average Christian church in America does not believe in the rapture at all. I would say that your average Christian church in America who teaches the rapture probably sides closer to me. Sure, sure. But I would say easily 19 out of 20 churches don't touch the subject. They want to oh, avoid the subject. No, I disagree. They don't believe in it. You know, I, I, the whole second coming is something that they don't understand. I, they don't want to get into. I think the I think the big mega church popular guys mm-hmm. maybe, but I I know a, I know a lot of guys here in town, and I don't know anywhere near everybody. But yeah, but I I'm gonna have lunch every week with six guys mm-hmm. that and. Five out of six. All right. So I, I, I think it's there. I, we go. I, I think it's I think it's way <laughs> higher than nineteen out of twenty. But anyway, rapture and resurrection of the living. Then the first resurrection, which is which is the resurrection of the um, beheaded witnesses during the tribulation. The tribulation saints. Yes, if we can call them. Then the resurrection of the dead. Mm-hmm. And which I, this is one of the things, like, when I think about resurrection, I think a little bit more of, like, um, obviously our goal should not be heaven, mm-hmm. because we're only going to, if the rapture is going to take place in three years, yeah, then we're not going to, like, heaven isn't, that that is, a, that's like standing at a bus stop mm-hmm. for, for the, compared to eternity. Um, but I do think that, that Mark and John and um and paul in acts all state that there will be a resurrection of the just and mm-hmm. the unjust mm-hmm. so yeah i think every person who has ever lived mm-hmm. will come back to life yeah all of them correct because you can only be in one of the two categories and they both raise <laughs> and they both stand before god and are st- specifically both stand before jesus at one of two judgment seats yes. and then you have eternal life mm-hmm. or you have the second death mm-hmm. so i think we're on i think we're on the track with each other there i mean it obviously says that there are at least two resurrections because there's the first which is before the millennium then there's the second which is after mm-hmm. so I, I got i got no problem with that at all does but, that but again, help give you oh, yeah, an yeah. answer at least? Yes. Whether yes. you like sure. it or feel that it's a strong one, it's a reasonable answer there, that an goes answer along with the Bible. With the text. Okay. But, so, but I, I just, you see mine as well, right? When I read this and I go, it says first resurrection. That, no, I, That means I have to say that there was one before the first one. Yeah. In order to... And so those those are just those are the things I wrestle with, honestly. I get it. From uh, you know, in the same way, I guess what we're running into is a dividing line at the seventieth week of Daniel. 
which so is I, another yeah. dispensation where, and this is what a lot of folks struggle with, is it seems that everything is different. And it's like, well, it is. That's exactly what's going on. And then the thousand years, guess what? That is another dispensation. Everything is totally different again. Do you do you think there was any change of dispensation at AD 70 when the when the temple was gone? No. I think there was new covenant when Jesus rose. Either yeah, so uh, I always go back this is what I go back to. The the timeline is that the old covenant stopped and the new covenant started at um it could have stopped at John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Okay. It could have stopped at the cross. At the cross. It definitely started the new covenant at the cross. And it had its soft opening at the cross and it officially <laughs> opened at Pentecost. Sure, your resurrection at Pentecost. And- okay. So, <laughs> I, and by the way, I don't have any trouble giving, like calling that really one event. I mean, the yeah, crucifixion, okay. resurrection, one, and then, so, and then Pentecost, the second. I- sure. And here's the thing. God is either specific to a point of absurdity or he's not. And when he's not, I think people really struggle with the idea, you know, that it's like, well, he said he would punish this and he didn't punish it for 150 years and all the bad people that did it, they were already dead. They're all dead. And it's like, well, I understand that. Okay, but you have to understand that, you know, that's not the way that God works. Sure. And then there are other times when God works down to the day, the 70th week of Daniel prophet or the 69th week of Daniel prophecy from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Mashiach Nagid, the Mm -hmm. Messiah, the Prince will be exactly this many days. And they stand on the hill proclaiming his his king down to the day, the the day Jesus rides in on the donkey is the exact day. Okay. Just hundreds and hundreds of years later. All right. So for me, when we're dealing with old covenant, new covenant, and I have no problem saying that, you know, the old covenant ended with John, which also happened to be the beginning of the preaching of Jesus when he was about 30 years old. Thanks, guys. Um, I, well, <laughs> yeah, they weren't always as accurate with their. Like I said, there are some general terms. Oh, and yeah, when God is yeah. general, he's general on purpose. And when he's specific, he's specific on purpose. So I can say that the Old Test, the Old Covenant stopped around John, and it definitely started at the crucifixion of Christ. And I have no problem saying that those three ish years was um, kind of a foggy on certain time where stuff was kind of up in the air there were plenty of other times that were without a covenant yeah so what's yeah yeah so but either way um we enter the church age because the jews rejected jesus when he showed up on the donkey on the exact day singing the psalm this is the day that the lord hath made let us rejoice and be glad in it Mm -hmm. uh on the very day that it was predicted and no one was there. I mean, there were a few people there, but real, I mean, everyone was supposed to be there. And there was just this teensy, itty bitty little crowd. And Jesus was like, you guys are lucky that this teeny little crowd showed up. Otherwise, the rocks would be singing. 
Yeah, like, yeah, because they know what's up. Yep. So that was the end of the 69th week. And we know that because Jesus explains that the 70th week hadn't happened yet. He explains it in Matthew 25. He says, this period that I'm talking about is the 70th week that Daniel was referring to. He says that. That's why the Antiochus Epiphanes people telling me that was the abomination of desolation. I'm like, guys, Jesus said it didn't happen. Like what? Well, so the, I mean, the fact that he went in there and, and des- created it, the it temple, was an it was an abomination sure, of, of desolation. Of it was, he yes. desecrated the temple, but it happened multiple times throughout. Okay. Are we going to say that Nebuchadnezzar did that too? Did that count? Because, yes, he destroyed the temple as well. He took all the stuff from the temple away. And then Belshazzar desecrated the implements, but not the temple. Okay, but that doesn't matter because we sure, can't. Sure, sure. It, the, the, the abomination of desolation is talking about one specific event. And, and that doesn't mean that the temple was never desecrated before. Even the Jews desecrated the temple. Oh, they yeah, desecrated sure, their sure. own temple. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. that's why they had a mechanism and a method for purifying it when they messed it all up. And they're like, oh, absolutely. yeah, we had a priest that went in there and tried sacrifice into a golden calf and God smote him dead and the yeah, bell stopped yeah. ringing and we dragged him out by the rope and... Now we got to go through the whole rigmarole, yeah, like yeah, cleaning yeah. this thing up Somebody again. Somebody get the bulls. Yeah. Sure, of okay, course. Okay, so, so for me, um, and I I am completely lost. I, I totally forgot what we were talking about. Okay. From Dis- dispensation. Dispensation. So I have no problem saying that the 70th week of Daniel is a separate dispensation. Things are different. And that's not a problem. It's not contradictory. God deals with different people in different places at different times in different ways. Now, we understand that the law of the Lord, the Pentateuch, that stuff is forever. God wrote it down. It's not like God is contradicting himself. But understand that there is what what we would call the church age, which I believe started um, at the cross. That was the new covenant. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe the new covenant started at the cross. Okay. Yeah, the death so. of the yeah. testator and, well, and, is and when it begins. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So then the church age started, uh, let's see, if Jesus was crucified on um, Passover, then that would have been um, three days until uh, Sunday, the Feast of First Fruits, mm-hmm. and then 50 days after that. Mm-hmm. So 53 days later <laughs> is exactly when the church age started at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes. And then we are currently in that age, and we are awaiting one event. And I believe that there is no prophecy that's in the way or that needs to take place prior to the Lord returning at the time of the rapture. Because you can have space in between the rapture and the beginning of that 70th week. Yes, and I have never been the one to say the rapture happens on Wednesday and the 70th week starts on Thursday. Now, that does seem to be the way it reads, but if it started three weeks later, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, God didn't seem, as far as what I've read, to tie it together that close other than to say that it has to happen prior to the 70th week because we are the bride of christ and we are taken away and we're at the marriage supper of the lamb and we avoid 
the wrath of God. I think the marriage, the marriage scenario is actually one of the stronger pieces of evidence yeah. for a pre-trib rapture. I agree. I, I, I think that's actually one of the, and I, I don't hear a lot of people talking about that very much. If but, you would tune into Bible Thumper <laughs> podcast a little more often, you might hear about it. But oh yeah, that's interesting. Again, yeah. <laughs> in, in one of my previous sessions, I go over the marriage uh, ceremony and the marriage covenant and how it all works. And maybe I'll do it again because it's an interesting view. Have you ever gone over Noah and the flood as a picture of the pre-tribulation rapture? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yep. that was always my favorite one. You have the three groups. You have Enoch, Enoch, who was removed prior to the flood. Yep, gone first. You have the group that survived going through the flood, mm-hmm. and you had the group that was decimated during the flood. So you have three groups. Yes. Right? And in the same way, I like adding this, Enoch was a Gentile. Explain. Abraham hadn't been born yet. He couldn't be I'll Jewish. i to this guy. Right? Well, that puts Gentiles on the boat, too. But. Okay. Yeah, it does. But sure. you, see, you see the point. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. an interesting idea. Like, oh, yeah, they were taking over. Okay. Anyway, so we've gotten through oh, about 2% of what I have here in my notes. Look at us go, man. Look at us go. <laughs> okay. So here's the question. Will the tribulation precede Christ's coming for the church? Or will the rapture precede the tribulation. Yeah, so this, this is what I wanted to go back to. Cause one of the, okay. one of the guys I've been reading essentially says that there's two ways to do it, especially with new Testament. Um, well, it, it's with all of the prophecies really, but um, you can, he, he says, and this is, um, this is Michael Heiser. Mm-hmm. And he says that you could either be a splitter or a joiner. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially to say, kind of like what you were you were saying a little while back, are all the prophecies about Jesus coming back, mm-hmm. right, his his second coming, or his return, are all of those describing one event, or I or or are they describing two? And obviously, looking back, we know it's two. Explain. Uh, all the prophecies. Wait, you said of Jesus coming back or coming. No, coming back. Oh, okay. My, I, right. I misunderstood. Okay, gotcha, so gotcha. Jesus is coming. When you were an Old Testament Jew reading about the Messiah, yeah, you had some difficulty <laughs> yes, yes. because there were some verses that just did not fit. Okay, which I think makes a ton of sense out of what the disciples are asking Jesus about. Absolutely, because they're like, dude, are you, you are, are you like th- you are nailing half of this. Yeah. <laughs> So you are nailing half of this. Are you like, what's what about this other stuff? (laughs) Like, you know, we don't see how it's going to play out here, but we're all really excited because the other stuff is the really exciting (laughs) stuff. Are you going to restart the, even after he's resurrected in the beginning of Acts? Oh yeah. Is this when... You're going to begin the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So to, to, to clarify, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament talks about the Messiah who is coming, okay, who we know to be Jesus. So God is coming to uh, restore uh, the kingdom and set everything right. So you read about Jesus coming as a lion and as a lamb. You read about Jesus coming as a servant and as a king. 
And the problem was the Jews were reading these and they're like, they are so far off that there were actually several rabbis that put forth and believed and taught the idea that there must be two messiahs because it didn't seem possible for one guy to fulfill all these roles. They just, for whatever reason, never thought that it was two separate occurrences. So Jesus, the first time... It was hidden. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I know where you're going. I'm, I'm not scared to fall into this trap. Yeah, no, okay. that, no, that's not a trap. I'm just saying. So when Jesus came the first time, he came as the servant. He came as the lamb who was a sacrificial lamb. And like J Zach had the very funny joke about the apostles were saying, Jesus, you are really nailing half of everything we were expecting. Yeah. And and they, they were all wanting the the lion who the was king, the king the lion, yes. because they wanted rome thrown off and they wanted you know they've been oppressed they? for so long yes. yeah of course yeah they wanted the king so so anyway what zach i believe is leading up to is the idea that could there be some misunderstanding about the second coming as well and the answer has to be of course there could be sure okay sure. of course there could be with that being said I take the position that I still have to teach it. And people want to know about end times prophecy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And in First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says, comfort one another with these words. So sure. I'm not only supposed to teach it, but it is supposed to be a source of comfort, which is funny because nowhere in the Bible does God or anyone say to look forward to the 70th week of Daniel and the Great Tribulation. Sure, sure. But we are constantly told to look forward to Christ's return. Yes. Which only makes sense if it is to take us home with him. Uh, agreed. Okay. But not... Is it before? Okay, so yes, here's yeah, the problem yeah. that... I think trips up most people. Most people confuse persecution from the world and wrath of God. Absolutely true. Yes. Okay, Zach, show me in the Bible all the different stories of the wrath of God falling upon the obedient, godly people. Hmm. See what I'm saying? Nope. That's that's sure. not the theme of the Bible. The theme of the Bible is that the wrath of God falls upon the disobedient, okay? And the obedient are not only protected, but protected in amazing ways. Yes. They it's are a, delivered yes. from the wrath. It's so like the, the Noah's Ark one is a good one. Good right? one. You got Enoch. Sure. Then There's you have that righteous father of the year award winning lot. Oh, yeah. In Sodom and Gomorrah. How about that? Yeah. Um, Just but like you, you also have um, in Egypt, before the Passover, God supernaturally brings his judgment onto Egypt. Mm-hmm. And the Israelites do not. It's dark in Egypt, and there's light where the Israelites are. And that's my and point. Yeah. That we, the pattern... I don't see it broken anywhere. There's no reason for me to think that all of a sudden at the end, God's going to throw a curveball and be like, well, sorry, all you well, obedient yeah, folks. So, sorry, Patrick, yeah, I meant to miss you. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, persecution from the world, 
absolutely coming. Sure. Going to be harder, stronger, faster, more vicious. I believe that's coming. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I don't think Christians get a pass on that. You know, depending on the country and the time you live in, I mean, boy, you can really get it right between the eyes. Yes, indeed. But the wrath of God, he does not pour out on his children. No, I don't see it. I don't see it anywhere in the Bible. That's why when the people that say the rapture is going to happen somewhere after the tribulation, I'm like, guys, I, sure. what, so, what but, on earth are we talking about? So the, the thing there would be that when the, when the wrath is described, mm-hmm. that I don't want to say that it's going to look different on earth, but that the... the um, the stance w- there would be, and this is... I'm, if you I'm being say real, no, I'm being that there really are careful. not giant locusts with lions for head... I'm being really careful. And eagles' wings shooting laser beams out of their ears, <laughs> you can get out of this studio right now. I'm trying to tell you what someone who believes this would say. Mm-hmm. Okay? That believes what? They post-tribulation rapture. Well, there's there's all sorts of different views. Mostly, I mean, you fa- fall into three. Are there popular the, the, ones well, other there's, than there's pre pre trib, mid trib, right? So then you're gone before the great um, tribulation. Okay, and that's Ro- or, um, Revelation 14. Mm-hmm. The angel arrives mm-hmm. after there's obviously already been supernatural events. Yeah, the angel arrives to reap the harvest, mm-hmm. just like Jesus said. Well, and that's the great thing about the mid trib rapture is that nobody knows the day or the hour. Right. That's the amazing part is that this time comes and we're all like, oh, look at that. Three and a half years uh, in, we're going to know when we're being raptured. Right. It's a ridiculous idea. But that but you can see where someone would say I can't. But go ahead. Jesus says (laughs) I can see where ignorant, stupid Christians would get the idea. Yes. Go ahead. So if you you take the scriptures and you say Mm -hmm. Jesus says Mm -hmm. that at the end, Mm -hmm. The angels will come Mm -hmm. and they will reap the harvest Mm -hmm. and they will collect the wheat Mm -hmm. for themselves and they will throw the weeds into the fire. Mm -hmm. And then Revelation 14 says that the angels come Mm -hmm. and they reap the harvest. Uh You could see someone going, okay, I see a correlation. So if it's not, if that's not the right correlation, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But you could see where people would see one. I, uh, again, I can't hang my hat on a verse and I don't get, it doesn't compute to me when people do that. But so like, what, what about the, in, in Egypt, Mm -hmm. um, Israel wasn't taken away Mm -hmm. and you could do the Gentile thing with the, with the, um, the correlation to the church age, Mm -hmm. right? So, so when you have Israel in Egypt, who is the church. Um, but there was supernatural judgment mm-hmm. on a country mm-hmm. that God's people lived in uh-huh. and they continued to live there mm-hmm. and didn't experience it. Granted. And that happened in Babylon that happened in Egypt that happened all over the place. Okay. But it, we can't say that if God ever has his Christians in a place where the wrath of God punishes some and protects others, that that must be the case for a post-tribulation rapture. Sure, absolutely. But but I think the same is also true the other way, Mm -hmm. in that since God could 
supernaturally protect his people Mm -hmm. in the case of him supernaturally judging other people that he has to make them leave. Okay. Then answer me this. Okay. Who is at the marriage supper of the lamb? If it's not me, the bride. Yes. Who is it, Zach? Well, I hope to be there. Who's up there? And that happens before the millennium. No, it doesn't. Well, yes. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. My my apologies. I thought you were going to say before the 70th week. Before. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Before that. So. But Zach, it's happening for a period of seven units. Yes. Yes. Which is why I at think, the same time, sure, sure. seven units are taking place on Earth. I'm not saying that I'm the guy in the right here. I'm yeah. just saying I'm the guy that's not sure. Uh-huh. Right? Okay. So, go ahead. No, I I was going to, um, let's see, do I have, uh, that's the one we already did. Hold on. Have I been too far away from the mic? I don't think so. Why? Is someone saying that you are? No, I just, I just, I I leaned in a little bit closer here and then I heard myself. It was louder. Um, so do you want to do, you want to do the, the restrainer real quick? I didn't put anything together on it, but go ahead. Thessalonians 2. Yeah, go ahead. Now concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus and our being gathered to him, Mm -hmm. his coming, our being gathered to him, Mm -hmm. we ask you brothers not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or by a spoken word or a letter seeming to come from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Mm-hmm. So this time they seem to be the same people. Yeah. The so second Thessalonians, this time they're confused because they go, okay, we got you the first time. We're not worried about everybody who's fallen asleep. Now we're worried about us uh-huh. because people are telling us it's already happened and it's over sure. and we're still here. Right. Uh-huh. We're, we're in agreement there. Let no one deceive you in any way for that day will not come. So, so which, which day? day Well, and that's interesting because that's one of the defining points we have to go over. Yes. Yes. Is this, this day? Oh man, we're going to, it talks about a day. (laughs) Yeah. We could put one on. Go ahead. Um, So let not, let no one deceive you in this way for that day will not come. Unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Right? Mm-hmm. So, again, I think, I think there's a lot of complexity mm-hmm. here. But if you just read those verses and you put a timeline together, you would say rebellion comes first, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Then the man of lawlessness is revealed, who sets himself up in the temple of God to be worshiped as God. Then is the coming of the Lord and are being gathered to him. Mm -hmm. So... I think there's a ton of complexity, but if you just read that at face value, no, all that means is that the antichrist is not going to be revealed on somebody finally calling in. No, it's <laughs> yeah. not. It's probably yeah. a customer who doesn't have feet. Uh, all that saying is that the antichrist 
will be able to be identified prior to. He has to be revealed. Mm -hmm. So no one is going to be sitting around wondering who is the Antichrist. Oh, look, it's the guy standing up in the temple, stopping the sacrifices. Sure, sure. So when people say, oh, it's Obama, pack your bags. Sure. Yeah, it's all bogus. Yeah. Right. So... That just means just there, to be clear. It, but, it, but that means there is something that has to happen. Michelle first. Obama. Continue. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Patrick. Yeah. I don't know if somebody had to say that one. Okay. So, but so, so the, then that means there is one thing, at least mm-hmm. one more thing that we have to do first. Um, you don't think there needs to be a temple though, first. There has to be a temple prior to the midpoint of the 70, 70th week of Daniel. For the... Antichrist the, to stand up in and stop the sacrifices. But not before the rapture. No. I don't see... I but haven't... We do, but we do have to know who it is. See, that's the... I, I just think there's... I think there's enough concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus and our being gathered to him. Let me tell you what happens first. Mm-hmm. The son of lawlessness is revealed. I mean, I just—I do I, have to assume that's the Antichrist. I mean, I, I think so because he stands up in the temple and calls himself God. And th- this is the restrainer thing, okay. right? All the way down in six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and you know what is restraining him now, mm-hmm. so that he may be revealed in his time. Uh-huh. Mystery of lawlessness is already at work, so on and forth, so forth. Um, only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Yeah, and the understanding he being that the he being the restrainer, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who yeah. So if the Holy Spirit is the restrainer and the Holy Spirit indwells the believers. Mm-hmm. You're not going to take the Holy Spirit out of the believers. Yeah. So the believers need to be taken mm-hmm. in order to, for him to be revealed. Well, but he yeah. has to be revealed before mm-hmm. the Lord Jesus comes back to gather us to him. Okay. So now here's another problem that, um, that you're running into that I don't know if you've thought through. Please tell me. Paul is talking as if he knows when it's going to happen. Which can lead to a whole okay. other set of... Does Paul know the day or the hour? No. And I use those terms specifically. Sure. Okay. Does Jesus know the day or the hour? He didn't. You think he does now? I have no... I don't know. Fair I know enough. That, I know that he said he didn't. But right. when he was right. on earth, he did not. He did not. Okay. Last question. Does the devil know the day or the hour? No. Obviously. Okay. So that means that the day and the hour is coming at some point and the devil needs his guy to be ready for that point. Yes. So what does that tell us? And I know we're doing A plus B must equal C. Sure, sure. But logically speaking, what does that tell us? I think it follows, though, that in his mind, Mm -hmm. now... Part of that depends on whether or not he believes the scriptures. Who? The devil. I don't. He spent his entire life fighting against <laughs> sure, them. I have sure. to believe and it that. it keeps on coming up right. But don't you think, I mean, it, you think he might be the kind of entity that would say, yeah, but I'm going to get him in the end. 
I don't doubt like, that. Sure, sure. My concern. Um, I, I know where you're going, though. Where, where you're going, though, is if he doesn't know when he's going to get his chance mm-hmm. and he needs a human being to get to be ready in uh-huh. order for him to take his chance, yeah. then he always needs to be having someone prepped or ready to Correct. do it. Correct. Sure, sure. So that is my point, and that's what I teach. Now, again, I could be wrong, but you and I both know I'm the guy that picks a side and teaches it. Yes, yes. With the understanding that I might be wrong, and also the understanding that I know for a fact I'm going to be wrong about something. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, sure. But sure. that doesn't deter me from taking the scriptures. And, and picking a place and standing on it. You got it. Absolutely. Okay, and, and everybody respects that, even though they know you're crazy. <sighs> I don't know if everyone does respect it. I know a lot of guys that really don't want to do it. I I know a lot of guys that are so scared of teaching something wrong out of the Bible that they're almost agnostic doctrinally. And for me, it's like, guys, I don't care how careful you are. You're going to teach something wrong. All you got to do is teach the Bible for 10 years and you'll look back on year 10 and be like, man, on year two, I was an idiot. How did I believe that? But there's a respect that I have for that too. If Mm -hmm. the fear is for God. Sure. Right. Like if I, when I'm losing sleep at night, it's because I've told the people that I'm responsible for their souls. Sure. I've something that I all of a sudden start to believe as a heresy. Yeah. Or an untruth. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be responsible to that before God. I get it. Sure. But you're right. You can't. That can't. It, you can back yourself you into a corner where you're scared to make a stance on anything. On anything. Sure. And, and for me, it's like, well, it, if everyone goes to that extent, then no one's ever going to write a book. No one's ever going to draw a timeline or a chart or a graph. Oh, right. And it's going to be really hard for all of us to learn where we are. I think the safety is that there are so many different groups of Christians. And within that, the truth is there. Oh yeah. Not any one group has it all, but it's there. And that is what has always been the fastest and hardest convincing proof that the Mormon church is not of God is because they believe that we've got it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, you have a single point of attack that can wipe out everything. And that's not the safe way to do it. So the idea is... I'm going to teach it this way. The guy at the church down the street is going to teach it the same way. Sure. But these two points, no, nah, I just don't agree. I think it's like this. Sure. We all hopefully agree on the gospel, okay, how right, we're born right, again. Right. But beyond that, we have to take a stance. We have to teach something. Otherwise, let's face it, church is going to be pretty boring if we're only going to right. talk about the gospel and the only thing that... It's like, well, that's great, guys. 20% of the Bible is covered. Okay. Yes, yes. yes. So, you know, that's where I don't have... I'm not concerned that I teach something in the Bible incorrectly. And I know how scary that is to hear someone say, I'm concerned that I would not be willing to change when God shows me something. Oh, amen. Okay. Amen. But for me, uh, let's face it, 
Uh, there's lots of subjects people want to hear about. The end times is certainly one of sure. them. It's an interesting one to just about everybody. Well, there's, there's mystery to it. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to teach it and it's very hard. And there are a few spots where it's like, oh, man, I hope no one asked me a question sure, about sure. this first because this one's a pain <laughs> in the neck. But even there, you could just, uh, just a simple disclaimer. Yeah. That's like, guys, Folks, look. I'm really not sure what this one means. I'm just not sure. Yeah. If, but if anyone has an idea, let me yeah. know because I, I've been... Yep. you know struggling but, over this but I've one i've been studying it yeah and i've been looking and i've been reading and here's what i think yeah that's why i said i always start my research of scripture with a list of facts start out with as long of a list of facts even facts that you would think are unimportant sure but get them all. if it's stated mm -hmm. in the bible listed as a fact and then from there on you can say, okay, now we have the stuff that's not explicitly fact that we have to figure out, but we also have to make sure it doesn't contradict any of the facts. And we start building the framework from there. Right, right, right. So, okay, so now... You got a lot of pieces of paper over there. What I do. How, and how far? How far are we in here already? Well, Jeez. the the very last piece of paper is an article that I wanted to bring up, but you haven't brought up the point that that article refutes. So I don't think we're going to need it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool beans. Yeah. So maybe you show it to me later. I'll. I'll. But, I can email it to you. Yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. really no reason to open up a can of worms that I. I wrote it down and printed it out because some other friends have brought up the idea. I've refuted it clearly with the Bible, <laughs> but I wanted to show them some other okay. preachers okay. that did a really good job of refuting it that I never thought, you know, I sure, didn't think sure. about it. Okay. And that's, that's actually one thing I am sort of in the process of. I, mm -hmm. I don't, um, I mean, I'm preaching through the Psalms right now, mm -hmm. which has, some interesting things oh, yeah. all over the place. But there's a lot of prophecy um, in the Psalms. Yes. Um Darren will be back in January. I I, I haven't decided exactly what all I'm doing yet. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm dabbling in in all of these ideas. And uh one of the things I am trying to do is I'm working on a list of facts. Sure. Um I don't want to exclude any. Mm -hmm. Um but I do think there are there is a list of just really, really like I, I was, I was watching a YouTube video once. I think it was called an evening of eschatology mm -hmm. and um, John Piper was hosting it. Okay. And then um, so Douglas Wilson was the preterist. Uh, I know Sam Storms was the amillennialist and then I can't remember the guy's name. I wish I did. Doesn't believe in a millennial reign? Well, I actually think that's kind of unfair. What? Well, I think I wish they I wish people didn't even call themselves millennialists. Mm -hmm. All they really believe is that that reign might not be 1000 years long. <laughs> okay. But then the, the third guy, and I wish I remember his name, I, I'd apologize to him if there were any chance that he would ever hear anything I was saying. Yeah. But he, okay. he, he was defending uh, your, your position. Mm -hmm. And so Piper, on the first question, like mm -hmm. they get together, they're all up there, they pray. Yeah. 5,000 people in the building. I mean, 
Mm. Piper's church is huge. And, uh, and he says, okay, I want to start with one question. Yeah. Do you expect a time in our future mm-hmm. when Jesus Christ will come back to this planet and reign as king? Okay. And all three of them said yes. Okay. And so you're like, there's, I mean, the preterists says that all of the prophecies were done in AD 70. Sure. All millennialists is like a thousand years. I'm not sure about this. All of this revelation language looks an awful lot but, like what people yeah. see when they look into heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jesus, physical, on earth, sitting on a throne, reigning ruling. King. Yeah. And they all, all three said, yep, that's going to happen. And it hasn't happened yet. Okay. It's and good start. So, it's right. And so like there's, I think there's some ground for everyone to stand on. I disagree. Um, <laughs> I will just, not be standing on that ground with you, them. You, you, you agree with the statement. <laughs> just being contrarian now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm working on, I'm working on a list of, of those things. Another good thing to do is to make your list of outliers while you're doing it. Yes. Like this one just doesn't fit. I don't know what this means yet. And then you can go back, you know, and kind of revisit them. Just like those, just like the Jewish leaders and teachers did about Jesus first okay. arrival. Right? So, like the, there looks like there's two different guys. Sure. We, yeah. How do you put this together? Yeah. They just didn't get it all figured out. Okay. So let me, let me ask you this about the imminency of Christ. The Bible teaches us to expect him at any moment. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. How does any model other than the pre-tribulation rapture allow for the doctrine of eminency? Well, one would be to say, and so this is the amillennialist position, uh, it, which I will not be able to defend properly but it would be to say that much of what revelation is speaking of after john is taken to heaven mm-hmm. in chapter 4 verse 1 what he sees is the heaven's version of what is happening on earth so think of um isaiah when he sees the the angel and it touches him in, on the mouth with the coal mm-hmm. um and then he continues to speak with no blisters or uh, Ezekiel when he's at, in Ezekiel chapter one, when he's standing by the river and the mm-hmm. heavens are opened, mm-hmm. uh, then what he sees, uh, the other people don't see it, mm-hmm. but he sees Jesus on a throne carried by four cherub mm-hmm. and they start talking to him mm-hmm. that there's a, what you see in, in heaven corresponds to what happens on earth mm-hmm. but john is seeing the heavenly component the, the heavenly piece of it that mm-hmm. so if you don't know when that starts mm-hmm. now some people would just say there's different ways to read um daniel nine as well right? okay but let me i guess the point i'm trying to get to is if it's a seven-year period which, if someone's going to say it's not a seven-year period, like I'm, I'm quickly losing respect for you. The, the question is just because, where you put it. Well, because it's called a seven-year period. It's called two, three and a half-year periods. It's broken down into the number of months. It's broke. You know, for me, sure, it's like, sure. guys, at at what point are we? You know, struggling. It's 
two 72 month periods. You know, it talks about the number of days we know God went through the trouble to explain to us very clearly over and over again, that it's going to be a seven year period. And it's in the middle. It's on this day that the Antichrist stands up in the holiest of holies and causes the sacrifices to cease. So if it's a mid-trib rapture, we know the exact day. Yeah, no, So, I, so that's th- why that's I, I, I can't see how anyone who takes that view could also believe in the imminency of Christ. And so it's what, talked what's about... The, what's the verse on that? On what? The, the imminency... Okay, go to, you look up Matthew 24, 50, I'll look up Mark 13, and I have more. You know, I just picked three because... Sure, but that's the, I mean, that's the Olivet Discourse. That'll be the one. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to do Mark 13, verses 32 to 37. 24, 15? Uh, yeah, you're on 24, 50, 50. 50. Okay, so, <clears throat> but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taken a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even, or at midnight, or as the, uh, at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Yeah. So go ahead, find yours, and then this I'll go to Luke. 2450. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know. And then in Luke 12, verse 40, be therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. So that's the whole idea of the imminency of Christ. I mean, when when Mark said, oh, by the way, Jesus doesn't know when it is. Only the Father. Everyone's like, wait, what? Yeah. But they didn't at that time put it together, the model of the Jewish wedding feast where the son would get engaged, which is my salvation. I am now the bride of Christ, right? Yep, the church yep. is the bride of Christ, all of us. And then the bro- the uh, the groom would go back to his father's house, yep. and he would put an addition on the house. Build a house Build for a them. house. Like, if it wasn't yeah, so, maybe we, we would have yeah, told us. There are many mansions. Okay, and then while uh, the uh, groom is gone, the bride is kept ready mm-hmm. with their lamps and their wicks trimmed and ready to go without spot and blemish because at some point the father's going to say okay you're ready to go and so the fa- again the son doesn't know when the father tells him go get your yes. bride goes gets the bride in the middle of the night with a party that m- makes a lot of noise so i guess they know you know <laughs> when to let rapunzel down you know out of the window sure, sure, so sure. you're not it, it's like okay they're here, sweetie. Uh, he's here for our daughter. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we're yeah. not being robbed. She's not being kidnapped. We know what's going on. So there's noise, voice of the archangel, trumpet of God, taken away yep. in the middle of the night. Bride's gone. Okay. And then there is a uh, seven day uh, wedding feast that's I was described. Ask you how in, long it is? It's right. Seven days I, I described think, yeah, in the book of Judges. Important. In you know, in, uh, when it talks about Samson, we read about that. That's the custom. Um, and then after that, they come back together. 
And that's what we read about in Revelation. When the Lord in white garments comes back with all the saved on horses. I'm going to let that one slide. I'm not a horse guy, but whatever. Okay. And we, say, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And we all come back together. And that is the explanation of the pre-tribulation rapture, the marriage supper of the Lamb taking place in heaven while... Um, you know, like like I said, I I find that to, especially because the the two caught up together yeah. verses in First and Second Thessalonians yeah. have uh, some some tension there mm-hmm. that I struggle with. I think the marriage, the the entire marriage story, yeah. is one of the most compelling pieces of evidence. But there is the imminency of Christ in that story. And in all these verses that we saw, which is, yeah. you know, watch and pray. He's coming. We don't know when, but he is coming. I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you one of the things that I know for me personally mm-hmm. gives me some of the, the heart, some of the biggest difficulty. Okay. I believe so fully mm-hmm. that God has the power mm-hmm. to do absolutely whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything that's off the table. When, now, when he says something's going to happen, of course. Okay, with the caveat of it can't fall outside of the scripture. Absolutely. Okay, just throwing it in Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Sure. But, like, if you say to me, well, Zach, nobody's ever disappeared from the planet before, especially in those kinds of numbers, mm-hmm. and so we don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't bother me at all. The supernatural aspect doesn't right. but slow so down the, my on the, on the flip side, too, mm-hmm. I, I even go so far as to say, I think I think people could live the entire seven years mm-hmm. of the tribulation and have no clue. Mm-hmm. I think you could blind them from knowing it. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't bother me any. Oh yeah. And so, but when you hold, when you give him the capacity to do anything, mm-hmm. then you're like, well, all you have is his word again to lean on. That's all you have. I don't doubt that there are parts that are going to take place that will be different from what we expected to some degree. Yes. Yes. But can we all agree that God wrote a lot about it on purpose? Yes, absolutely. Sure, of course. To no end, it frustrates me when the Christian's like, well, I'm going to be saved and in heaven, so what do I care? It's like, (laughs) well, guess what, dummy? He wrote about it. He wrote about it a lot, and he told you to study it. And as a matter of fact, the book of Revelation is the only book where God says, study this, and you will get a special blessing. Yeah. Only book in the Bible. Read it. Yeah. Read it. Read it. And and all but the first three chapters— are the future. Now, that's one I actually wanted to, at, since since this is where we're at, what okay. we, we're an hour and 45 minutes in. What are yeah. we, we're, yeah, we're not even, we, we haven't even done the resurrection yet. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask this you about is all, this. Uh, this is all by way of introduction, <laughs> folks. <laughs> God, we are such colossal nerds. Yeah. Did you, I didn't realize that about myself until right <laughs> now. Um, I barely get to nerd out over the Bible ever. How often do you really get to do this? I've, I've got a few other guys mm-hmm. that I could really, like I could walk to, up to and say, look, man, mm-hmm. I'm like eyeballs deep in Jeremiah and yeah. I am, so, who are you reading? Yeah. And they'll go, oh yeah. And here's two books. Yeah. Like I got a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I wanted to, I wanted Revelation. to ask you, I'm yeah, there. I wanted to ask you about this one because you sure. brought up the, the dispensations mm-hmm. and everything except for the first, uh, three chapters in the, is in the future um i've 
I saw this recently and I've never had anybody give me a real good thought on this. Okay. And now I'm going to, I'm going to be fishing for it. <laughs> and you're going to ask me for a good thought on it. Well, <laughs> I'll have an answer. You'll, for you'll have a thought. Oh, oh, I know yeah. that, right? We've I'll been, say we, something. Yeah, we've been over that part. Um, one of these churches now is part of your dispensational understanding, at least currently that the seven letters correspond to periods of church history. Yes. Okay. They, they also are written to seven specific real churches that existed at the time. Absolutely. Yep. Sure. Yeah. I don't think you could. And the seven churches that were written down, which describe seven church ages that we can very clearly map out would not work if they were written in any other order but the order they are written in. Doesn't one of the churches say that they're going to be persecuted for 10 years? Mm, now you're asking me to... Yeah, like, to know stuff. Was that your question? Because that's an easy find. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm searching for it here, and I'm having, I'm having trouble. I did not have enough coffee for this conversation. <laughs> well, I, was, well, I was ready to talk about Jesus eating fish and his resurrected <laughs> body and having his beard pulled out. And okay. like, guys, don't be so like, yes, heaven is going to be awesome. Of course. Absolutely. But don't be, don't be too worried about it because there's, there's actually new, new heaven and new earth. And mm -hmm. we're going to be physically on a planet with Jesus forever. Um, Here we go. Ten days. Oh, okay. So Smyrna, mm -hmm. church number two. Got it. Two, uh, ten. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for ten days that you have tribu tribulation. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. So there's a couple things you could do there, I think, mm -hmm. because I've heard um, Chuck Missler. Mm -hmm. I, I've heard a bunch of his stuff mm -hmm. on uh, on Revelation, and I, I can't remember exactly what he said about this particular thing. But you have you have letters that are written to churches, and you have, but but those letters are corresponding into pieces of the church age. Mm -hmm. So when I see, but do all of the pieces of the information have to correlate? Or are there pieces of it that are written only for the church and other pieces only for the church age? I would say either one would be fine. I don't want to be dogmatic on either because I don't feel that it says so. Right. So and, the, and church, the church age thing is what we deduce. The literal churches. Oh, they would have had no clue. Yeah. The literal churches is what we know for fact because John is dictating what Jesus says yes. and writes yes. to these churches. So by Jesus doing this, the assumption is there. And historically, we found out that these churches all do exist. But the assumption is they're letters to actual places. For us to go another step and recognize that they fit into the church age, that is deduction, which if anyone wanted to say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say that, well, you're right. Right, right, right. Yeah, sure. But that doesn't change the fact that they are similar to a point that is eerie. 
So anyway, uh, so I would not say that every single detail of each letter must correspond or that if they all do, that there would ever be a way for us to understand it. Sure, sure. And, and I'm, I'm very comfortable with, with that mm-hmm. as a, because then you have to take these 10 days and you're like, well, what, where do they fit? Where do they fit? If you're going to take them literally inside of a church age, then what, like there's, how do I know? 10 days, 10 years. What, ten, yeah. What, what am I, how am I, I going to figure out where to put them? Well, right? and the other problem is you find out that when God talks about a period of time, we all think it is sequential. Sure. Well, that doesn't work with Daniel. Now does it? No. It doesn't. There's 70. And, see, and I'm not so sure that it does with Revelation either. Sure. I'm not so sure that there are pieces of Revelation that are. I absolutely believe parts of Revelation are not sequential. Do you think there are any parts that talk about the same thing from a different point of view? Like like Daniel's dream and Nebuchadnezzar's dream? Absolutely. When you look at Matthew and Luke, it literally explains. When you hear Matthew 24, 25 talking about the end times, and then you read about the same discussion in luke if you don't read the chapter or two before and recognize the timeline and where jesus is you don't recognize that jesus is in a different location it's not two guys recording the same speech they're two separate speeches and that's why when you read a couple points that are different you're like well how does this work and it's like he wasn't talking to the same group he was talking to two different groups because part of you read the luke discourse Mm -hmm. and you're like Oh, that sounds an awful lot like this temple being torn down yeah. real quick. Like, yeah, real maybe. Oh, I don't know about forty years or yeah, so yeah, from yeah. now. Sure, right. And so, yeah, I, th- I think all of those are. So you got to pay attention to the details, and you got to yeah, because I, I think that's I think that's wise, and I think that's right. Yeah, to to take the book of Revelation and you say, and it, there's not a much more literal hermeneutical view than than what you have. Mm-hmm. But then also to say, look, this book obviously doesn't have anything in what we would call a chronological order. Yeah. There are things that are described. It's the same thing is described from two different points of view in well, different places. And, and just for the record, the reason I say that is because that's the way the Old Testament was written. Yes. So the, a- problem, the problem is far too, many, far too many times we look at it and we're like, well, Jesus explained it in this order, so it must happen in that order. Now, there are times when he does explain things in order for a reason, and there are other times when it is scattered. And that's the problem. Just like in the Old Testament, we would read parts about his first coming and second coming, literally two parts of one sentence. Separated by a comma. Yeah. And then you're like, well, how does that work? And it's like, okay, so... That's what we can be dealing with with some parts in the future, and and that's fine. And sure, clearly, sure. I'm going to be wrong about some of those parts. I think, and you know, it almost seems like we're set up that way. You know, right, right, right. But, Which is part of my point. But yeah. again, I, I, I definitely, I want to. I'm with you in that. Just because I have that precedent, mm-hmm. like you can look at Matt or uh, Luke. Uh, I think it's chapter four when he uses uh, Isaiah sixty, mm-hmm. right? And um. He stands up and he he reads the scroll and he's like, yeah. "On this day, yeah. you know, I have you know set the captives free and give yep. the blind and uh, give sight to the blind, blind and, and yep. so on and so forth." And he and stu- in this day shall the scriptures be fulfilled in and, your ears. And he stops. Yeah. And he rolls it up. Yep. But then when you go back and read the the spot in Isaiah that he was reading, mm-hmm. the sentence right after that is. 
I, th- I think yeah, I think it's a comma. It is. So Zach's talking about Isaiah sixty-one, verse one, and half of verse two. Right. And Jesus quotes it in Luke chapter four, verses sixteen through nineteen. Do you want me to give the background there? Yeah. Real quick. Qu- okay. Quickly, because yeah, yeah. we're at nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> so so the custom was when a visitor would show up in your temple, you would offer him the job of reading the Torah portion and then expounding on it. So when Jesus showed up here, they handed him the book of Isaiah, which was a scroll, and he opened it up at the portion that was scheduled to read. And uh, he read... Um, isn't the it spirit weird of the that Lord. that's the day he showed up? At yeah, that place just a coincidence. Yeah, uh-huh. Amazing coincidence. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the, accept of the acceptable year of the Lord, period. And what Zach's point was is when you go back to Isaiah 61, in verse uh, verses one and two, that period is actually a comma, and afterward it says, "And the day of vengeance of our God." But Jesus is saying here in Luke, okay, that God has sent me to do these things, and He had to put a period there because He wasn't here for the day the, of vengeance of God. To do yet. the next thing, correct? The day of vengeance of God was His second coming, so therefore He stopped. And closed the book and handed yeah, it and right. said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in and, your and, ears. And can't you just see the Pharisees going, well, he started it. Yeah. So <laughs> that means yeah. that what he's indicating to us mm-hmm. is that it's time. Sure. And so then the the disciples keep like, mm-hmm. is it time? Yeah. Is it time? What are yeah. you doing about Rome? Yeah. Where's the kingdom? Because this, this is what they had in mind. This is what they were seeing. Yeah. And so I think the difference between their ad- advent, like the, the incarnation, Jesus's first appearance mm-hmm. and his second coming is the second coming is so immediate and final. There's not going to be a space for us to be like, well, is that really Jesus? Like, I, I, don't, I don't see no matter how you build any of it, I don't see there being any confusion mm-hmm. about whether or not now i do think the antichrist would love to if i was running the show mm-hmm. like I, I i think there's some indications about what his nationality might be but um i think the bible says explicitly tell me which place and which one um assyrian and it's in ezekiel assyrian. and we don't I mean, let's sure, sure. We'll just kick that and you know talk about if, it later. If I was going to try to deceive as many people as I could mm-hmm. into thinking that the Antichrist was the true Christ, mm-hmm. uh, I'd have him show up as Jewish. Sure, personally, yeah. Like I, to to try to if you're going to try to trick people, if you're going to deceive, mm-hmm. I would. I born in Bethlehem, and <laughs> I mean the whole thing, right? Yeah, everything that I could pull off. Yeah. Um. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. The what I'm getting at though is to say if we know that we aren't quite fully competent to figure out 
which things are the same thing from a different point of view and and how many cycles are we talking about and where does this fit compared to this one it's written after this one but it obviously sure isn't like the the dragon in the sky that sweeps the stars mm-hmm. that he's waiting for the woman to give birth to the child yeah it's talking about that and clearly it literally says the dragon was the devil yes yes and that there was a war in heaven well we know that that happened back in genesis during it- so, you know, and, but he's seeing all of it like multiple steps into a tribulation period. Correct. And so you, you, there's some I think that are easier to see than others. Yeah. But, but that all I want to do is leave some room to say mm-hmm. this is the best ground I think I can stand on. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way I say it is with open hands. Yeah. If God shows me something different. So like one of the ones I love about the Olivet Discourse, we could go all night. You know that? Mm-hmm. One of the ones I like about the Olivet Discourse was um, the generation, right? This generation will not pass mm-hmm. until you've seen these things happen. Yeah. And so in the Luke one, you'd say, okay, well, because he was talking about the temple falling and it was 40 years and mm-hmm. bada bing, bada boom. There yeah. you go. A preterist mm-hmm. would say, yeah, the generation the only that way he spoke that can to. Fit in. Right? But. So, but if you do, you do the, um, like the, the resurrection, if you want to use that term, mm-hmm. of the nation of Israel in 1948, mm-hmm. uh, then you say, okay, that's the generation mm-hmm. that we're looking at. Sure. Well, then you had 40 years and you're in 1988. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of guys who were like, look, I, this is... Oh, yeah. I know. I saw the book. Right. And yeah, then, you and can buy them real cheap on Amazon <laughs> today. <laughs> 88 reasons the world's going to end in 1988. Yeah. And then you, and then you go to like, well... But there's also precedent for saying that a, a biblical generation is 70 years. Mm-hmm. And so you you do 70 years, and that gets you to... I don't know, 2012? So, Wasn't that what, the big one, the last one? You'd think we'd be able to do some basic I've never, math, right? I mean, I've never cared enough, but, you know, but, but to make your point. All, yeah, all I'm saying is it's, just, it's one of those things mm-hmm. where Jesus said, this generation will not pass until you see these things. So you have to define... What are these things, mm-hmm. and what is this generation? See, I've always written that off as John. Just John being John? John? No, John saw it all. The, but, but all of what? Is so the, Jesus was talking about how this generation shall not pass, you know, until you see all these things. John did. John was part of that generation, and he saw all of it. But he, he says that in Matthew 20... It's Matthew 24, isn't it? I don't remember. Let me look. Yeah. Because it seems some, like some people It seems like people want to tie that verse to a certain number of years after the statement was made. Like, well, this this generation's gonna see it all, so that means that it has to happen here within the next and I think that is a big building block that the preterists stand on. By well, the way, to, to define real quickly, preterists are people who believe that all the prophecy in the scripture has already come to pass. That they're primarily speaking about things that were going on in um in AD seventy mm-hmm. and, and before. That that fulfilled well, and that the, 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 age, the age to come or, is the yeah. age that we're currently in. Yeah. Basically, they, yeah. Okay. So, Matthew 24, 34, and 35. Um, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. 
heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the it's the lesson of the fig tree. But the, what makes it difficult is that that happens at the very end of Matthew twenty four. The signs of the end of the age, mm-hmm. the desecration of the temple, the abomination of desolations, the coming of the Son of Man. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're when you read that at face value, you start going. How did it without, not happen yet? Yeah, without without doing a little bit of work, mm-hmm. uh, I I got to decide what what generation is he talking about? What things are he, is he talking about? And so clearly, he wasn't talking about that generation listening to him literally seeing it before they die. Only one not of them. Not the end of everything. Yeah, sure. Only one of them did, and that was John. And he saw it in a futuristic dream or vision, or, you know, we can say that he really saw it. I have no problem saying that. Sure. But John was the only one. Everybody didn't see it. Only John saw it from Patmos. Sure. But yeah, until all these things take place, though, is what it says. Well, but you got, I mean, that doesn't bother me because of the whole time space continuum. You know, I for me, when John saw it happen, do you think that that was like a vision or movie reel, or do you think he was watching it happen in real time? Uh, and I know there's it, no right answer to that. No, sure, but I, I mean, I would guess that when those guys fall into a trance, I mean, I think it would it would be sort of like a dream. See, I always, but. At least with John. Let me go back and look here. I always believed that John was taken and set up there in heaven, and he watched the 70th week of Daniel unfold. But just for seven years. Or, but not necessarily. Yeah, I I mean, keep in mind, it's not like he had to sit there in real time watching every minute scroll by for seven years. Maybe he did. Jesus, he could have easily seen what he needed to see as far as the highlights. I, I doubt every day of the seven years could be made into a documentary. I'm sure there are going to be... Well, I mean, we, we if you want to divide it up into the number of vials of wrath and bowls of wrath and yada, 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 it's not like one drops every day. Sure. Okay, sure. so, so you get, yeah, there's to some degree, life is so. going on. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, people, you know, you still got to eat, so to, to speak. So, to some <laughs> degree. To some extent, yeah, it's, it's crazy town. Uh, it's different, a different time for sure. Okay, so <clears throat> uh, the last thing that I wanted to bring up, and the last thing I wanted to bring up is that the the day of the Lord, it appears dozens of times in the New Testament, it's always referred to as a day. Yes. It's a singular event. Yes. So what is that day referring to? So three verses to give you just to get them on record here. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as ye see the day approaching. 
Second Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. This is going back to the imminency as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, this is the issue. Which day is that? Because that's not the rapture. Right, right. It couldn't be if you have a pre-trib rapture, right? So what if you, it's one day, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what you have is, and this is the argument that I, I make, but let, let me read one more. Second Timothy 4, 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all, uh, unto all them also that love his appearing. Now, I do believe that that is uh, the rapture. Okay, because read, that's, read that one for me. Second uh, Timothy four eight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Right, when are we given our rewards, the crowns, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. Have I ever <laughs> explained to you my belief in the bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, and how that works? With time, the, I mean, not not entirely, but I'm I'm familiar with the bema seat as the the judgment for the believers. Yeah, and so and when we say judgment, it's it's a little bit more. I think maybe like a, it's a seat of reward. Yeah, that, it, uh, yeah it's the right. seat. The bema seat is named after the seat that people would go and stand before during the Olympics to receive their right. rewards for the race they ran. Okay, which, which is a judgment. Yeah, exactly. Okay. We have judged that you, you got, got first place. Correct. So, it, you know, but it's it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Correct. Okay. Um, you might be a little disappointed because you realize most of your life was wasted doing nothing for God, oh God. and you don't show up with much. Okay. <sighs> but whatever. You know, I mean, you guess what? You were in the wrong race. You were in the Ferrari and golf swing handicap race, and... None of it made it into heaven. Others were in the spreading the gospel, teaching the Bible race, and they got, you know, some rewards. Okay, so the judgment seat of Christ, not to be confused with the great white throne of judgment described in the end of the book of Revelation. That is for the bad people, Uh, bad, the sinners that did not get redeemed by the blood of the lamb, the lost people who are cast into the lake of fire. So the judgment seat of Christ, every time it's described in the Bible, it's described as one day. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with that. Now, here's the issue that people have. You have everybody that died prior to Christ dying on the cross. We know they all went down to paradise, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Jesus set them free. And then you have everyone that died from that point till today, and then you have everyone, including us, who will die sometime yeah. oh, after today. Sure. How does it work where the judgment seat of Christ is one day? When the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, I have no problem with this, but a lot of people do. Everybody that was freed from Abraham's bosom, okay, which we call paradise, the place that the thief on the cross went to with Jesus and then went up to heaven, the place that my you know friends and family who were born again who have died already Mm -hmm. um, and then people in the future when we die we close our eyes we all open them at the same location at the same time see that uh darren that was the first one i heard 
uh, actually describe things that way. Because like, you'll be standing in line to get your reward. Correct. And you let's holy cow, it's Abraham Lincoln. Exactly. And and you you yeah. you're like, hey, what's it like up here? And he goes, What are you just, talking I about? Just I just here. got here. Exactly. Yeah. Because God is the one that inhabiteth eternity, says the book of Isaiah. So eternity is a place. God lives in a place where there is no time. And for us to travel from any point on our timeline from earth through death to his location happens at the same time. It's not like people that died, you know, Abraham Lincoln, Ford's Theater, or Patrick Hayes, you know, yep. dying, dying a <laughs> rain of bullets from federal agents defending his property, you know, 50 years from now. It's not like those two people uh, arrive at the judgment seat of Christ at different times and Jesus is just checking people in one at a time every day, all day long. No, And he, like, gets writer's cramp because yeah, it's yeah. been too long yeah, exactly. and he wants a sandwich. Like, I need a break. Sure, you know, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, there's a war going on. All these people are showing up now. You know, it all happens at one point. So that day, my point is, is the rapture. Okay? Because that, that's when everyone would be... That's the end. Now, there are more people that are going to be saved... Okay, but that is different from... If you use the dispensation, dispensation that's, can, that's something sure. different. What Peter is talking about is the day of the Lord when the heavens shall pass away and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And that is talking about the end of the 70th week of Daniel. Right, before new heavens and new earth. Before the millennial reign. Okay, which... So I, this is Peter, right? He's yes. burning the whole thing down. And yep. Yep. So what, what does he come back to? I mean, you got a thousand years. So. Yeah. What, what does he come back and reign, though? Oh, yeah. New heaven, new earth. Everything. You know, everything is different. Again, a new dispensation. People are living to be hundreds of years old. Mm -hmm. Lions laying down with the lamb again, just like the original yep. creation. Isaiah. Yep. So um, my point is it's described, the events are described as a day and it's very clear that one day has to be after this time but before this one and in the same case like with timothy the event if it is not being described as prior to the 70th week where does that day fall see by process of elimination is where you get a lot of your answers in the bible not because it explicitly says but what it does explicitly say rules out this option and this option and this option. It's like, well, this is the only place that it can fit. Whether it works out a different way in reality when it happens, maybe. But as far as us reading it and studying it and learning and, and it and teaching it. deduce when, like, yeah. what order things would happen in. The fact is, when we teach these things, we're either going to draw out a timeline or we're not. Yes, yes. Sure. And if we draw out a timeline that has a whole bunch of question marks on it, you know, what's the point? Of yeah. The what's the point of the timeline? Anyhow, you know, sure, sure. You know, for me, it's like pick a side, buddy. You know, like <laughs> just you, you, you've always been like that, though, from the time you were a little kid, weren't you? Probably. Yeah. I think so. You know, it's the only place that I find comfort. Yeah. Because what you find is that the the desire of the Christian, the desire of a follower of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 
is to move away from that. That's what happened to the Jews through the whole Old Testament. They would just loosen up and be like, well... And they just did that again and again and again, and they found themselves. They turned around, and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, they just brought me the gold, and I threw it in the fire, and out came some calves. Yeah. So we decided to bow down and worship them, Moses. I don't know what to tell you. You know, and that's what Aaron's answer was. And it's like, no, you got there on purpose by making several decisions. So for me, I find comfort in taking a hard fast line on things it doesn't mean i'm not willing to change sure my life as a christian today is vastly different from what it was 10 years ago and i expect it'll be very different 10 years from now Um, but i also believe that i will be taking a strong stance on stuff 10 years from now. yeah i do too (laughs) i do too do you do you do anything with the uh kind of the pop culture type of stuff like give um, me an example uh, the, the the latest one that's real hot right now is there was a video came because the Euphrates River is drying up. Okay, and so there's all these videos now that are like, um, this one everybody is yeah I'm, I'm sure it's doctored I don't know mm-hmm. for sure I can't say that but there's um like there's these sounds that sound sound like you know like beasts crying out the the river is drying up oh because of revelation and they're coming out the four angels okay right and because they're holding back and then you send the angels out and they let the river dry up so that the army can march across so that there's less water in the river now than there was before yeah yeah. and so then you spend six weeks trying to figure out where okay where are we at in the timeline and here's the well if this is that and that's that, then how come? No, we got to be raptured like by next Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. So and, I, sh- short answer is it's all nonsense. Sure. All it is is a distraction uh, to keep Christians from doing what they're supposed to, which is studying the word of God. There, there always comes out. Every time a new discovery comes up, I'm always, the wind is taken out of my sails. I don't care what it is. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were wonderful because what they proved was what we had and believed was right all along. Yes. But that's all they proved. Okay. So anytime something like that comes up, it always bothers me because I feel like all of Christianity takes another week off of reading their Bible. That's what I feel like. To watch the YouTube videos. You got it. Just to get into whatever the next thing was. Um, so I hate any relics that are found, any discoveries that are found. Personally, I believe the uh, Noah's Ark is going to be discovered one day. I think it's going to be obvious. I think it is going to be on TV. Everyone's going to see it. And I don't think it's going to make a lick of difference. Yeah. I yeah. think the same thing might happen with the Ark of the Covenant. I th- So for me, um, none of these things matter. They, they really don't. All they do is detract from when... When the rich man begged Moses to let someone go back to tell his five brothers, yes, um, yes. you know, about what he now knew while he was suffering in hell, um, sorry, or he asked Abraham, uh, not Moses, he asked Abraham to let someone go back because he has five brethren who need to hear this. Uh, what did Abraham say? He said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And they don't believe them, you got so they're it. not. Gonna they're not going to believe. Gonna believe. Me. Yep. Even if someone were to come back from the dead, they're not going to believe it. If they don't believe 
this. Yeah, yeah. So that I think is, uh, you know, it, it, it's a total waste of time. Honestly, anytime a Christian brings that nonsense up to me, I just roll my eyes and I'm like, buddy, I just lost some respect for you. <laughs> like, you know, I'll, you know what I'm impressed with is when a Christian comes up to me and they're like, man, I just read this in the Bible. It, it was so neat. And I'm like, praise God, tell me about it. I'll stand here all day and listen to you. Right. Tell, you know, right. you got any questions? Can you know, you want to talk about it? Yeah, but when they they come up with the newest whatever, I'm like, that's just something to get you distracted from reading your Bible. And the real subtlety there is, it feels like you're studying yeah. the Bible. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I'm learning stuff. It says the Euphrates. The Bible says yeah. Euphrates River. And now we're well. talking about it. So that so we're but yeah, it it can be it can be subtle and distracting for sure. Yeah. All right, so um, for no other reason but that I'm getting tired and hungry and I got an early day tomorrow, uh, yeah. we're going to have to cut it off short so of that, two and a half hours. Oh, is that the only reason? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're down to one follower. I don't know who is still watching, but if you want to leave a comment him. and tell me who you are, I will send you a reward of some kind. Uh, folks, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, like, subscribe, share. That helps the, us with the podcast being available to new people uh, to get the word around. And please find us uh, on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for Bible Thumper Podcast, and these videos will show up. And uh, like and subscribe there. You can follow us live every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. And you can always join in uh, with a comment. Uh, they can be... Uh, obscene and insulting uh if you do that i promise we will make fun of you live on the podcast so if that's your goal and you're trying to uh, get on here uh, i'll be sure to i'll be sure to name drop you and other than that thank you everyone for um giving us your time i don't know if we helped at all but hopefully you learned something or heard something new about the end times and the rapture and the second coming and you can go back to your Bible and you can learn more about it. Thank you, Zach, for showing up. Yes, thanks, Patrick. That was good.